almost good enough to get them a bus, aren't they? We got one out there. I don't know how far you'd get on it, amen, but amen. Appreciate, don't you appreciate the young people? Anyway, we got a lot of young people in our church, amen. We need to keep, keep it that way, stay on fire for God, amen. And don't lose your fire, hallelujah. If you stand with us tonight, Psalms 54. And uh, I studied this psalm this week, and um, the Lord on Monday, and uh, the Lord just really spoke to my heart about uh, what I'm going to preach on tonight. I know we've been preaching through the psalms, and um, uh, just the Lord spoke my own heart personally and helped me. And then I was talking to Brother Grant today, and I said, well... I said, uh, man, the Lord really helped me with this psalm. I'm going to preach it tonight. And he said, well, I preached that psalm the last time that uh, you had me preach here. I said, they're Baptists. They ain't going to remember it. And uh, I said, you know how short our memory is anyway? And uh, I said, so I'll just preach it. Uh, they probably need to hear it again. I need to hear it again. Amen. And so uh, it's never the same anyway. Isn't that right? I mean, that's what I love about the Bible. You can take the same text. And uh, you can take the same sermon. And uh, Brother Blake, you can preach it here, preach it there, but it is not going to be the same. Uh, God's going to use it in a different way in all of our life. But God just spoke to my heart, helped me, and I pray the Lord will help you tonight. Psalms 54 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set before God before the, God before them, Salah. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye hath has seen his desire upon mine enemies. Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Thank you for the good singing we've heard tonight, for the good spirit that we feel in the house of God. I pray now that you'll speak to us and speak through us, and may you receive at maximum glory, and we'll love you and we'll thank you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on the benefits of betrayal. The benefits of betrayal. Now, uh, you may be here tonight and say, well, now, preacher, that doesn't sound like uh, a subject that ought to go together. The benefits of betrayal. And I want you to see tonight in Psalms 54 that David uh, wrote this psalm and like many psalms that David wrote he wrote it at a very critical time in his life. If you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 23 and 1 Samuel chapter 26 you will find that two different times when Samuel or when David was on the run from Saul uh, that as he was running from Saul that uh, he found himself in the place of what uh, in this little village called the Ziphites. And uh, the Ziphites was a little village that uh, was about 15 miles outside or southeast of Hebron, uh, but it was of the tribe of Judah, and that was the tribe that David was from. David was from the tribe of Judah, and you know that. And so David is on the run from Saul, and two different times he finds himself uh, in this little village area that he is hiding out uh, from Saul. On both of those occasions, in 1 Samuel 23 and in 1 Samuel 26, uh, the Ziphites, for no reason whatsoever, 
river, uh, they turn uh, uh, David's name into Saul and they let Saul know exactly where David is at. Now when you think about that, here is David he, within his own tribe, amongst his own people, within his, within his own ranks uh, and yet they turn on him and they turn his name into Saul uh, that Saul might be able to pursue David uh, for his own agenda. You know, I thought about that. Uh, David is writing this psalm at that time in his life when the people that he loves and the people that is supposed to love him and, and the people that are supposed to be on his side have turned against him. You know, tonight every one of us uh, has experienced that sometime or another in our life, amen? Uh, maybe it's with family, maybe it's with friends, maybe it's with people on the job, but we all know what betrayal feels like, amen? There may be somebody here tonight, you may have had a family member that has betrayed you. You may have a coworker that has betrayed you, but someone, maybe a dear friend that you put confidence in has betrayed you. I promise you, if you live for God and serve Jesus and live in the ministry, you'll face betrayal uh, serving God within the ranks uh, of the house of God, amen? And we're talking about David is going through this betrayal in his life. Now, if you're here and you say, well, preacher, I've just never experienced that. I got two things to say to you tonight. Number one, thank God you've never experienced betrayal. Then number two, hold on, fasten your seatbelt because if you live long enough, you're gonna experience betrayal in life. You say, uh, uh, preacher, how do you know that? Because no Christian can live for God and yet not experience betrayal uh, in this walk of life, amen? Maybe you've experienced it on the, probably one of the most detrimental levels that there is, even that of a spouse of betrayal. What are the benefits tonight of betrayal? Because of two things comes to my mind. So I think about in Romans where Paul said this. He said, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And I got to think about David in Psalms 54 when his own men, when his own people, when his own tribe turns against him and betrays him. How in the world could any of that ever work for good? How could there be any benefit in people turning away from us? How could there be any benefit in people walking away from us? I, I want to tell you tonight, no one in the Old Testament experienced betrayal any more than Joseph, amen? Joseph experienced betrayal in his life. His own brethren turned against him. And then no one in the New Testament experienced it any more than Jesus. Amen. Jesus experienced betrayal. Uh, the Bible tells us that. The Apostle Paul experienced betrayal in his life. So every one of us either understands or will one day understand what it's like to be betrayed. In Psalms 54, David tells us here that there are three benefits that he gained as a result of betrayal by the Ziphites in his life. You say, preacher, what are the benefits? Number one, the first benefit I see in verse one and two is that the benefit of betrayal is that it causes us to look to God, amen? David in Psalms 54, in these first three verses here, he is looking to God. Notice what he said in verse number one. He said, save me, O God, by thy name and judge me by thy strength. You see what David does in Psalms 54 is he calls God by his name. He said, save me, O God, by thy name. I think about David is praying here. Uh, listen, this betrayal has drove David to his knees. He is now in a situation in his life 
life that he knows that there is really nobody in his life that he can really trust that even the men that may be with him today may turn on him tomorrow and so it forces David into a situation in his life where the only thing he can do is look up to God can I tell you sometimes God is going to hem us up and put us in a corner he's going to put us in a place when there's no other direction that we're going to be able to look to we're not going to be able to look to the left or the right before us or behind us the only place we're going to be able to look look is to look up amen you remember the psalmist what he said in Psalms 121 and verse number 1 when he said I lift my eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help he said my help cometh from the Lord I'm telling you friend it's a good day in all of our life when we look up and we see the only one that can really help us in our situations in life amen and so David is praying and I notice that in this prayer here that it's a very simple prayer look at the first two words of verse number one he says save me you know that's a pretty good prayer isn't it save me it's not a pretty prayer it's not a long prayer it's not an impressive prayer but it is a prayer that works amen when Peter was sinking he said Lord save me I remember the day when I was lost in my sin and I cried out I said save me you remember when you asked God to save you I'm telling you just a simple prayer on the lips of a simple person will still get the job done God is looking for a desperate prayer and David is praying a simple prayer prayer as he looks up to God. Amen. Not only is he praying, uh, is his prayer simple, but it's sovereign. Look what he said. He said, save me, O God. Now notice this, by thy name. Amen. You know in the Old Testament that God made himself known by his name. He is known as Jehovah, isn't that right? He's known as Elohim. He's he's known as Adonai. These are all names of God. Jehovah means that he is creator. Elohim means that uh, that he is is a covenant keeping God. Uh, uh, Adonai means uh, that he is the God that is in control. And David is saying, God save me by your name. Amen. He's magnified his word above his name. He's given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, uh, thank God there's power in that name, amen? And David is not just praying a simple prayer, but he's praying a sovereign prayer. He's saying, dear God, would you save me by your name, amen? You know, I think a lot of times we pray below our privileges. We forget who we're praying to. We're not just praying to some God, wooden God sitting on a shelf. We're not praying to the God of iron or the God of brass, some God that has ears that cannot hear and eyes that cannot see and hands that cannot feel and touch. No, we're praying to a God that's more alive than we are. We're praying to the sovereign God of the universe that holds the waters and measures the waters in the palm of his head. He called the stars by name. We're talking about a God, the Bible said the earth is his footstool and he meted out the heavens with a span of his head. We're talking about the God that hung the moon and the sun in the orbit, amen. We're talking about the God that knows every flower that has fallen. He knows every bird and every sparrow that has ever fallen. God knows how many grains of sand are in the seashore. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He's a sovereign God. He controls the universe. And what a God we can pray to tonight, amen. 
and David is looking to this God. He, his prayer is simple. His prayer is sovereign. But then I notice his prayer in verse number two. It is specific as he says, hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. He says, judge me by thy strength. That word judge means to vindicate. And he says, God, I need you to, you need, I need you to vindicate me. The adversary, the enemy has turned on me. We have an adversary tonight, isn't that right? We have an enemy tonight. But thank God, even in the midst of our, of our adversary against us, we have a God that is bigger than our adversary, amen? But we ought to pray specific. You know, I've asked God to protect me. There's times he's protected me when I didn't pray because I didn't know to pray. There's times he's protected me when I didn't pray because I didn't ask. And then there's times when I, uh, I said, God, would you protect me? And he did protect me. There's times that I've asked for provision and God has given exactly what I needed when I needed that provision. There's been times when I've said, God, uh, you're gonna have to take care of this situation. I, I can't fix this. And God, if something's not done, it's gonna be a disaster. And somehow, some way, God would intervene. It would work. We could all testify to that tonight. Hey, I'm talking about prayer specifically. We'll get the job done. Amen. He looks to God. It's the benefit of betrayal is David is praying because of the betrayal. God uses it as tools in our life, and his prayer is very swift. He said, hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. He said, God, I need you to do something. I need you to listen to me. I need you to hear me right now. You know, I'm glad the Bible said that his eyes are over the righteous and his ears are open unto our prayers. And then his prayer, I notice, is serious. Look what he said in verse number three. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them, meaning that they will stop at nothing to accomplish their agenda. You know, we live in that world today. We live in a wicked world, don't we? A very dangerous world. We live in a world that does not know God and does not love God and does not want to acknowledge God. The Bible said they don't even want to retain God in their knowledge. And so we are the minority, but with God, we're the majority because we're not looking to Washington. We're not looking to our government. We're not, we're not looking to circumstances around us, but we're looking to the only one that can save us, the only one that can hear us, the only one that can be there for us. And I want to say the benefit of when people walk out of our life is that it causes us to refocus and put our eyes on the one that can help us, amen. The benefit of betrayal was that he looked to God. The benefit of betrayal in verse 4 and 5 is that he leaned on God. You see, David prays to his father in verses 1 through 3, but now David is going to proclaim his fortress as he leans on God. David realizes that the enemy in verse 4 and 5, or the enemy, should I say, is bigger and broader and better than what David is. David was a man of war, and David was a man that knew how to fight battles, and he knew how to win victories, and he knew how to slay giants. But this enemy is far bigger and far better than any giant that David has ever faced in his life. And so 
so now David realizes that the only shoulder he can really lean on, the only shoulder he can really put his confidence in, the only shoulder that he can really trust uh, is that unseen shoulder of God. I want to tell you, I'm glad, thank God, there is a shoulder I can lean on in the hard times of life. Uh, there's a shoulder that'll never falter. There's a shoulder that'll never fail. There's a shoulder, my friend, that'll be there, whether it be the wee hours of the morning or in the blackness of the night. Uh, there is a God in heaven, amen? Uh, and David says in verse number four, he said, behold, God is uh, my helper, amen. Brother, he's got a divine helper in his life, amen? I'm gonna tell you, that will make all of us uh, shout on a Wednesday night uh, and that we've got somebody that'll help us uh, through the hard times of life, hallelujah. He said, oh, preacher, I, you don't know how bad a week I've had. I don't know how bad a week you had, but I'm gonna tell you something tonight. You wouldn't have made it to Wednesday had you not had somebody that would have helped you along life's way. I say bless his holy name. He is a good God tonight, and he helps us along life's journey, amen. You know, the old saying is good helps hard to find, and it's getting harder, isn't it? But I'm gonna tell you where some real good help is that you'll never have to worry about not finding it, and that's in God tonight. David is leaning on God. That was the benefit of betrayal. It caused David to realize that he needs to lean on God for he has a divine help. He has a divine hand. Notice what he said in verse number four. He said, the Lord is with them, notice this, that uphold my soul. You know what David is saying here? He said, I've got a few faithful men that are still left. They're still upholding me. They're still with me. And God is not only with me, but he said God is helping those men that are helping me. I want to tell you tonight, you know, and I preach this every day. I might as well preach it here. I preach it other places. Uh, I, listen, you got, if you'll just stay with the man of God and be good to the man of God, and you know I'm not wanting to get rich, you know that. I'm not talking about filling my pockets full of money. I'm talking about just hanging with the man of God, staying with the man of God. Uh, listen, God will be good to you uh, for staying with me, amen. You say, well, you're not much preacher. I know that, uh, but God put me here uh, and God seen fit for me to be here. And if you won't jump ship and if you'll stay where you're supposed to be at, guess what? God will be good to you because you're up helping uphold my soul. Uh, I know I'm sorry and dirt and not worth anything tonight, uh, but my friend, I want to tell you, I believed it before I pastored. I might as well preach it now that I am the pastor, Amen. If I left this church and joined tomorrow, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna hold up the hands of the man of God wherever I go. Brother, I believe that tonight. I did it before I was a pastor and I still believe it. And I'm just telling you this, uh, God will be good to you. That's what the book says right here. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul, amen. It matters if you're on the right side of the battle. You gotta be on the right side tonight. You know, I've watched people and it's tragic. I've watched people shipwreck their lives for leaving this church. And I know they don't, people when they shipwreck, they don't want to hear that. And I'll be honest with you, I don't tell them unless God tells me because it's heartbreaking. But I've seen people leave this church and get out of the will of God and try to sweep things under the rug and go on and, and, try, to, and try to be happy. Is there anything special about us? No. There's something very special about being in the center of God's will. But when God puts you in the center of his will, you better stay there until God gives you orders to move. 
It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about it. It doesn't matter, uh, listen, what the circumstances look like. I'm telling you tonight, listen, you you couldn't give me a million dollars to get out of the will of God tonight because I want to tell you, if you gave me five million dollars, Brother Lanny, it'd be gone by sunset tomorrow or it wouldn't benefit me one bit. I'm telling you, listen, in the center of the will of God is where the hand of God works. It's where the hand of God takes care of you and though David had more enemies than he could number, he had more problems than he could count, yet he was in the center of God's will and God's hand was working and God's hand was taking care of him. I'm telling you, friend, I'd rather be broke. I'd rather be, listen, I'd rather be on an island by myself but be in the center of the will of God and be happy, hallelujah. Isn't that right tonight? Brother, I want to tell you, God knows tonight. He knows how to take care of us. And David says here, because I've been betrayed by my own tribe, it's caused me to lean on God. When people walk away from us, we realize that there's really just one that we can shoulder tonight, and that's him. There's a divine help, a divine hand. There is a divine hope in verse number five. He said, he shall reward evil unto mine enemies. And David prays this. He said, cut them off in thy truth. You know, there's been a few times I've said, God, would you take care of them? I don't mean hurt them. I don't mean kill them. But God, they're hindering the work of God. Would you take care of them? Whatever that is, God, I don't know what that is. I put them in your hands. You're a just God. But they're hindering the work. Take care of them. You don't hear a lot of preaching about that no more, but I think young people hear me. You need to hear that. Brother, God will put you in a graveyard for going against the church. Amen. Brother, I could take you to the cemetery today in my hometown where there's a man that died because he put his hands on the man of God and six months later they buried the man over liquor by the drink. Brother, I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing tonight. And I say that about myself concerning other men of God that I'm not going to put my hand on other men of God. Let God be God in their lives because uh, it's a dangerous thing to touch the anointing of God. And it doesn't matter if you are a preacher. I I don't want to put my hands on another preacher because uh, I don't want God to do something to me. Amen. You say, you believe that? I believe it, my friend, with all of my heart tonight. I've seen God do that. And it's serious business. God will cut people off that works against his work. And there are people tonight that God has cut off and David is saying, Lord, cut them off in thy truth. Uh, Hey, if you're standing for truth, then that means everybody that's standing against truth is standing on dangerous ground. You see, it's one thing when people don't know better, but it's another thing when they've been given light. To whom much is given, much is required tonight. And David said, Lord, there's people they know better than what they're doing. God, would you cut them off in thy truth? Boy, I, I want to stop and say this tonight. I never want him to cut me off. So, preacher, you're saved and going to heaven. Oh, yes, I am, but he still cut me off. I don't want God, God's sword against me tonight. I'd rather have his hand of mercy as to have his hand of judgment in my life. And David said, because of this betrayal, it's caused the benefit as I look to God. The benefit is I lean on God. And then this last benefit I want you to see in verse 6 and 7 is it causes David to lift up God. Now David was a worshiper, wasn't he? And David 
is no stranger to magnifying God. But when you come to verse 6 and 7, David is lifting up God in a way that maybe he's never lifted him up before or it's a way that he has not lifted him up as a shepherd boy. When David was a shepherd boy and, and those uh, songs and psalms that he wrote and that he sang as a shepherd boy in the, in the field, he didn't have that many enemies in life as a young boy. You young people don't have that many enemies tonight. But there's coming a time when enemies are going to come on the rise in your life. We all have enemies. We know we have the world, the flesh, and the devil tonight. And David, as a young boy sitting in that field, the only enemies that he really had to face was those enemies that would come in and try to take his sheep, his father's sheep. That was the only enemies he had as a young shepherd boy. But I want to tell you, when David stepped on the battlefield that day and David declared himself to be a part of the Israelite army and he fought against Goliath that day, he had more than just Goliath as his enemy. David had Saul as his, as his enemy. David had the envy of every person in that palace that wanted David's position and in Saul's position. And then he had the Philistines and every other nation that would ever hear the praises of David that would be sung for the victory that God had given him. As God had promoted him, his enemies came after him. And David had soon found out that he had more enemies than what he could count. But through it all, you know what David learned? That in spite of the battle, in spite of the enemies, in spite of the adversaries and the opposition, David learned to praise God in the bad times just like he praised him in the good times. If the only time you shout when things go good, you won't do a whole lot of shouting in life, amen? But if you can learn to lift him up in spite of the adversaries, in spite of the betrayal, in spite of what others do, that's when we really will learn to worship God and lift his name up, Amen. David lifts him up in sacrifice in verse six. He said, I will freely sacrifice unto thee. You know, sometimes you just gotta praise God in spite of people and things. Amen. It's the quietest world we're ever gonna live in. You know, I came to church tonight, I said, God, I don't care if they shout or pout, I'm gonna preach tonight. Some of you are shouting, some of you are still pouting. I don't know why in the, I don't know why in the world can I say this one more time? Why in the world do we come in on Wednesday night and stare at each other? Have y'all ever figured that out? You say, well, I'm tired. I, I'm tired. I've had, a, I've had a long, hard day. Well, I don't feel sorry for you. We've all had hard days, amen? We all get tired, amen? I've been in Alabama all week. That's why I'm saying tired, not tired. Everybody gets tired, amen? Sometimes you get tired and feathered, Amen? Well, why don't we come to church and look at each other? Just stare at each other. I'm going to tell you something, brother. I've made a lot of mistakes, but I made my mind up. I could take you to the place on an altar in Fairmount, Georgia when I was 15 years old and God filled me with the Holy Ghost one night and let me shout for the first time. And I made my mind up. I said, God, I don't care if I'm sitting in church with a, with a 105 degree fever. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, by the grace of God, go to church and sit there like a knot on the log and let the preacher have it by himself. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but 
that I could fill my head tonight and by the grace of God, that's one promise I kept. That's one thing I've kept to the Lord is that every time I go to church, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I'm facing, I'm gonna get in, I'm gonna get in on worship, I'm gonna magnify God to the best of my ability because my worst day of my friend living for God is still better than my best day living for the devil and he is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be lifted up regardless of how I feel in life, amen. Now you don't have to act like me but y'all at least smile, amen. Y'all at least throw a songbook or say amen or raise your hand. I'm telling you, I think it's a sin to say you're saved and just sit there. God's been too good to not at least show some kind of emotion that you're glad you're saved, hallelujah. I don't even care who's doing the preaching. Amen. Even if Brother Gravely's not here, y'all still, y'all love God more than that. Amen. Y'all to shout because not because of the preacher. That'd be so shallow. If you shouted because of the preacher, then I doubt your shout. Amen. I'm telling you, God's good even when the preacher's dead and gone. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, God's good on Wednesday. He's good on Sunday morning. He's good on Sunday night. And we ought to just freely sacrifice the praises unto God. Amen. Y'all to say amen every service. Even you ladies back there, say amen. All right, there's three of them. <laughs> praise God. You say, why do I got to praise? Because you got a voice. Why do I want to raise my hand? Because you can. Because the day may come when you can't. Amen. I'm just telling you folks, I know it ain't very popular in this day and time, but I'm telling you churches are dying by the dozens and what people call it. And we ain't got to run the aisles every service. I understand that. But I tell you, we ought to at least come alive. Even on Wednesday night, we ought to get around the songs of Zion and the preaching of the word of God. And we ought to act like we're glad to be here. And we ought to get in on what's going on. And we ought to be blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. And don't just strike on some people. Somebody say amen. Well, I guess the sick and tired preachers, they want everybody to shout when they're preaching and they're a bunch of dead heads when you're preaching. Amen, 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 amen. And then you got people, listen, they want to get and testify and they want everybody to shout while they're testifying, but then they want to sit there like a knot on the log uh, during a preaching and during a singing. Hey, friend, you reap what you sow, amen? Uh, I'm just telling you, uh, if God's as good as we say he is, uh, we ought to act like it and be consistent in it, amen? Amen, he's good to us. Isn't that right? Y'all know I ain't fussing, I'm just preaching, right? I'm fussing a little bit, but I'll tell you why. I want to keep it alive around here, don't you? I want it real. I'm not talking about fake stuff. You know that. But I tell you, I want it to be real, don't you? Brother, he is worthy to be praised. And he lifts him up in sacrifice. He lifts him up in song. He said, I will praise thy name. You know the kind of singing I like to hear? Spirit-filled singing. Singing that sings to, to him and about him. I don't like songs that magnify the flesh, do you? I don't like songs that sound sensual and they sound uh, 
Uh, they work on emotions, and I know God gives us our emotions, but don't you like songs that's got some doctrine in it, amen? I like songs that line up with the Word of God, and they, and they, and they teach you something, and, and I like songs about uh, that makes us feel good, but I like songs that challenges our heart, amen? I like that old song, uh, uh, Whatever It Takes, amen? I'm telling you, if it puts fear in my heart when I hear it, but I like that old song, Whatever It Takes, to be more like you, Lord. Uh, I'm telling you, that's what I'm willing to do. Don't you like songs like that? that challenges your heart and convicts your spirit, amen. Uh, everything's not supposed to be a feel good uh, but I'm telling you I like songs that magnify him, songs that lift up him and David said I'll freely sacrifice uh, he said I will praise thy name, O Lord. Notice he lifts him up with security. He says this, he said for it is good. You know why we ought to praise God? Because his name's good. Well, don't praise him for it. Nothing wrong with thanking him for what he's done. You know that. But we ought to praise him for just who he is. I think you, I, listen, don't misunderstand me. I think you ought to stand up. If God blessed you with something, there ain't nothing wrong with standing up saying, God blessed me with a good job. God's blessed me with a, uh, he gave me a bonus this week or, or, or maybe he did something for you. There's nothing wrong with those things. Uh, if he gave you a new automobile, you ought to thank God if he gave you a good car to drive. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's got to go deeper than just that. Amen. It's got to go to his character, his person, who he is. You know, it doesn't say the Lord is good to me. It just says the Lord is good. Amen. Now, he is good to me, but if it was never good to me again. I can still raise my hand and say the Lord is good. Amen. He don't have to be good to me in order for him to be good. God is just good. Amen. You know everything about him is good. His book's good. His church is good. All the songs about him is good. His spirit's good. His peace is good. His provisions are good. I'm talking about his protection's good. His son is good. His salvation is good. His character is good. His name is good. His house is good. His home is good. I'm talking about his resurrection was good. His rapture's gonna be good. Everything about God is good, amen. His character is good. His love is good. His mercy is good. I'm talking about his grace sure is good, amen. I'm talking about all these things that are attached to God is good. Amen. Even as wicked as this world is, God's world, even with a curse on it, it's still good, isn't it? Aren't you glad you're alive tonight? And he praises him with security. He said in verse number seven, for he hath delivered me out of all trouble. How many of us tonight can raise our hand and say, God has delivered me out of all my troubles? Think about where you're at tonight. Think about where I'm at tonight. Now, you may have trouble, but stop for just a moment and forget the trouble you have and think about all the troubles you have had. Can I tell you something about all our past troubles? I'm going to tell you something. We can't remember all of them. I've had more troubles than I can remember. I can't, it would take God to remind me of all the troubles that I have had, big and small, in my life. I can't remember all them troubles, but I tell you what I do remember. He delivered me out of all trouble. As a teenage boy, he delivered me out of trouble. As a young boy, he delivered me out of trouble. I'm talking about throughout life, has God taken care of you? How many times has the enemy had you in his sights? 
but God delivered you out of that trouble. David was reminding himself in an hour when it looks like there's nothing to praise God for, when it doesn't look like there's anything to magnify, David said, I'm just reminding myself and those that are with me, the Lord is good. He's delivered me from all my troubles. I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, but I know what he did yesterday and the day before. He's delivered me and he praises him in security and then he lifts him up. He praises him in sight. Notice what he said. He said, mine eye has seen his desire upon mine enemies. I want to ask you this question tonight as they come. Get us a song ready. Have you ever seen God take care of your enemy? You ever seen God remove the trouble out of your life? You know, when Jesus was betrayed by Judas, I know, listen to me, I know that Jesus did not want Judas to betray him. But listen to me tonight. Do you know what happened when Judas betrayed Jesus? It caused every person, all the rest of those disciples, they had to make a conscious choice at that moment which way they were going to go. You see, tonight we can all get on the bandwagon. We can all plug into a good church, plug into a good school, plug into parents. We can all plug into friends and family members and so forth and so on. We can all plug in, but I'm going to tell you something. When somebody betrays someone, you know what it does? It makes everybody else around have to decide where they stand. Brother, I want to tell you tonight, God allows betrayal in our life to really make us who we are so that in that moment we decide if what we have said, do we really believe that? Will we really take that stand when it's a family member? Will we really take that stand when it's a close friend? Will we take that stand when it's a church member that we've went to church with for years and maybe they blow out and they go to the world? What will we do when they betray Christ? You know, tonight I love my family. I thank God for my family. But if one of my family members was to quit church tonight, it'd break my heart. But by the grace of God, I'm not going to quit because they do. Brother, I tell you, there's, there's no more bitter tears you'll weep and cry than when you see church members go astray. Do you know what we all do when somebody quits? We turn the lights back on. We come right back in here. We sing again. We preach. We go right back on. We carry on because that's what we're supposed to do. Isn't that right? The benefit of betrayal is, is that it causes us to really focus on who God is, the shoulder that'll help us in the hard times of life, and it causes us to praise Him through the sorrows and the tears, and that sincere praise tonight as we stand, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you need to come tonight.